Good morning. James chapter 3, starting in verse 1. James writes, Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. And really, there's nothing for us to see here in verse 1. Uh, So pay no attention to what he says here, and we should run right along. Go ahead to the next slide, verse 2. Let's get on to the next thing. Uh, No, honestly, we will come back to verse 1, but there's a few more pieces that we need to get on the table before we get there. Notice verse 2. He says, We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. All right, James is telling us this is the goal. This is what we are striving for, is to never let any sin control us. We're trying to be perfect, and James says, if you want to see how close to perfect you are, what do you do? Well, look at the words that you use. Verse 3, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal, or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All right, all of these illustrations that James uses, I think, are fairly straightforward, right? Okay, a big thing is controlled by a very small thing. All right, last weekend, uh, my family and I, we were in San Diego. One of the cool things we got to do was kayak around the harbor. And as we were in our little kayaks, we got to go around, around all the big yachts. Okay, the most impressive yacht I saw, I had to look it up later, uh, you can buy a used one for about $40 million. Okay, and this yacht was so big, it had a helipad on the back of it. I mean, after, when you're at sea, you want somewhere to park your helicopter, right? I mean, what else are you going to do? Okay? If you're going to get a yacht, get a big one. I mean, come on. Okay? As impressive as this massive yacht is, though, how many people does it take to drive it? One. Okay, and what is the one little thing that controls the whole big ship? One little rudder, right? I guess on that it's not a rudder, but whatever, don't stretch it too far. Or notice his other images, right? How many sparks does it take to destroy an entire forest? One. Okay, and so with the tongue, how much effort does it take to speak a few words? Uh, My four-year-old does it all day long, okay, not much. Right? And how much can just a few words direct the course of your life? How many words does it take to ruin someone's life? And I think the point is our words are extremely powerful. Okay, the words that we say are vitally important. And yet often what do we do? We use our words very carelessly. All right, notice verse 7. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can control the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. 
Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. All right, if you're taking notes, if you only want to hear one thing I say this morning, let it be this. This is number one. James says, unless you claim to be perfect, you need to work on controlling your words. You know, most of us like to think of ourselves as good people, right? I mean, we're good guys, okay? We love Jesus. Maybe we're not perfect, but we're certainly doing better than the corruption we see in the world around us, right? I can turn on the evening news, see what lots of bad people around me are doing, and I know that I'm doing better than that. Okay, I know I'm not Mother Teresa, okay, but I'm better than the drug dealers and the rapists, right? I can honestly say that since we've moved to Georgia, I haven't killed anybody. I'm not a bad guy. Right, but what happens is we play that com- since we moved to Georgia, right? We're not counting before. We, I just, since we moved to Georgia, I haven't killed anybody. All right. What happens, though, is we play this comparison game. I can look at people around us who don't live lives as holy as we do, and I can say, well, I'm doing better than they are, so I must be doing pretty okay. And I think that's true, right? That I do live a more righteous life than some of the pagans that run around outside these walls, right? I think that's true for you. You are here in church on a Sunday morning. You live a more righteous life than lots of people in the world. I think we can say that that is true. But what happens is I play that comparison game. I can look at other people and say, well, I'm more holy than they are. I can think that that means that I'm doing great. And the Bible keeps telling us that's never supposed to be the point of comparison anyway. You want to point a comparison, compare your life to Jesus. Well, now how are you doing? Well, not as well as I was a few minutes ago, right? James says, do you really want to know how closely your life resembles the life of Jesus? Examine how you speak. What are the words that you use? You know, it's easy to control a lot of my outward actions, but it's my inner heart and character that are largely revealed in the language that I use. Can I control my tongue? To the degree that I can control my words is the degree that I can say, here's how mature I am. Fair enough? James tells us, I'm sorry, here's the thing. If you couldn't go 24 hours without alcohol, I would tell you that you're addicted to it, right? Right? If you couldn't go 24 hours without nicotine, I would tell you that you're addicted to it. If you couldn't go 24 hours without a cup of coffee, I would tell you that's totally fine and not a thing to worry about at all. That's a different thing entirely. No, I would say you're addicted to it. Right? If you can't go 24 hours without saying something negative or critical, either to a person or about a person, then you do not have control over your tongue. You're addicted to wrong words. You need to repent, and spiritually, we still have some maturing that we need to do. Is that fair? A little too close to home for some of us? A little too close to home for all of us? Okay, just checking. You know, some of us may struggle with this more than others, but James tells us this is an everyone problem. Okay, the tongue is the last piece of us that needs redemption, and often it is the hardest 
peace? How can we intentionally work on controlling our words so that we can better reflect Jesus to the world? Right? And there's a myriad of ways that we do this, that we mess this up. Uh, I've come up with a list this morning. This is your A, B, C, and D on your outline. Uh, this is by no means an exhaustive list, but I think it's important for us to look at a few of the ways in which we often fail with our words. Okay, letter A. Sometimes we say stuff before we can think about whether or not it's a good idea. Right, about two weeks ago, um, it was time to send the kids upstairs and get them ready for bed. And as I was ushering them upstairs, uh, my four-year-old gave me a little bit of attitude. He wasn't listening, gives me some lip. Okay, so I reached down and I popped him just to get his attention. He looked at me, okay, and at this point, Rachel's son, okay, because when he misbehaves, it's Rachel's son, right? At this point, Rachel's son looked at me and said, Dad, you didn't spank me very hard, did you? I can fix that, son. Okay? A few minutes later, he's crying for mommy because I fixed it, right? What happened? Uh, before he could think about whether or not it was a good idea to say those words, they were out of his mouth. Okay? Aren't you glad that we've all grown out of doing that kind of thing, right? You know, usually when my mouth gets me in trouble, it's because my mouth works faster than my brain. Uh, you know how on TV they've got a two-second delay on live TV so that if someone says a bad word, they can bleep it out before it goes on over the air? Uh, how many of you wish you had one of those installed in your brain? Okay. How many of you wish your spouse had... No, no, don't answer that question. No, most of us could use a little bit more delay between the thoughts that enter our minds and the words that come out of our mouths. You know, most of the time when I wound my wife with my words, it is very unintentional. Okay? What it is, is my mouth is working faster than my brain. I'm not thinking about what I'm saying. Right? I don't ever think, you know what, I'm really going to hurt Rachel's feelings with my words today. No, it happens unintentionally. I remember coming home one time and the kids were going crazy, the house was a mess, and before I could think about what I was saying, I said, honey, what did you do all day? I didn't think, I know, I didn't think about it. I'm in the future too, okay, I know, I know. We need to work on thinking more seriously about the words that we use. You know, within this is uh, another issue that we've talked about before, but it's important. Okay, and that's the issue of saying insensitive words at critical times. Because what happens often is we'll go to the hospital or the funeral home or go to somebody who's going through something that's intense in their lives. Okay, and we have great intentions when we do this of ministering to these people and being Jesus to them. But it's awkward and we're not really sure what to say. And so we end up saying things like, well, you know, this was God's will. Or, well, you know, God works for the good in all things. Okay, or we'll go to someone and say, well, you know, one time I went through something that's even worse than this, so you can get through this too. Okay, or I know how you feel, right? And because words have so much power, especially in times of intense emotion, we need to think through how other people will hear the words that we say. It is not enough just to have good intentions when we speak. We need to think, how will this actually impact somebody else? 
You know, just FYI, if you're ever talking to someone who's hurt and grieving and you don't know what to say, it is always a good thing to say, I am so sorry for your pain and I'm praying for you. Those are just keep those stock phrases in your head and actually mean them when you say them and that matters. Fair enough? All right. Letter B. Sometimes we mess up with this because we say things that we would never say in person. Okay? We say things we would not say in person. All right, here's my sexist quote for the week. And you're only allowed to be offended by this if you can tell me that it's absolutely not true. Okay? Here it is. If you want to know how much control a woman has over her tongue, ask her if she's heard any interesting gossip lately. Okay? If you want to know how much control a man has over his tongue, Sit next to him when his football team is losing. Tell me I'm wrong. Okay. Obviously, neither of those is restricted to any particular gender. I've seen some of you women watching football, and I know that that can go both ways, right? And I know some men who couldn't wait to share the latest gossip, right? All right, and we'll deal with the language thing in a moment, uh, but we do need to say just a word about gossip. You know, we could easily spend weeks on gossip and the damage that gossip does, but I don't think I would be telling you anything you don't already know. Gossip wounds. If you've ever been on the other end of it, if you've ever had people saying slanderous things about you, then you know why gossip is sinful. Okay? It hurts people, it hurts them deeply, and once it's out there, it's impossible to take it back. So the rule is, if you wouldn't say it to a person's face, then you shouldn't be saying it, right? Now, one thing that James never could have foreseen is how we mess this up with our technology. Okay, because one of the things that happens is we get behind a computer screen or we're typing something and it feels different. Right? That's a way of depersonalizing our words and giving us a little bit of distance between us and the other person. And so sometimes it's easier to wound other people or use our words inappropriately when we're typing them than it is when we're saying them. And yet the damage feels the same whether it's someone saying words to you or someone typing something about you. Okay, one of the things that's even worse, though, about when we do it on a Facebook wall is then it's in public for everybody to see. Okay? So the same rule applies. If you wouldn't say it to a person's face, then don't type it to them either. Okay? And don't type it about them. Right? We need to be careful with our words. All right, let her see. Sometimes we say stuff with the intent of wounding. Okay? You know, most of us would never hit someone in anger. Right, I've never actually physically hit, well, sisters don't count. I've never physically hit someone in anger, right? You could say a lot of stuff to me. You could push me pretty far, and I'm not likely to ball up my fist and hit you, okay? I'm more mature than that, at least I think I am, right? right but if you push me far enough, I might very well say something with the goal of wounding you verbally. You know, and this is especially true when we're in conflict with people that we are close to. Because if I'm fighting with my wife or a family member or somebody that I know well, I can wound them much more easily with my words because I know where the pressure points are. Okay, the closer you are with someone, the easier it is to hurt them verbally because you know what words will wound them. 
Okay? We need to be careful not to wound people with our words. Okay? And within this point is also using condescending language or dressing down somebody. Okay, have you ever had someone be condescending to you? Did you like it? Okay, then don't treat other people that way. Right? Have you ever had a boss that dressed you down? Did you like it? Okay, then if you're a boss, you can't dress your employees down either. Okay? If you don't want people being condescending to you or dressing you down because those words hurt, then don't use that kind of language and those kind of words for other people. Um, it's almost like do to others as they would ha- as you would have them do to you. Um, somebody said that once, and I thought that was really good advice. Okay? Be careful not to wound people with your words. All right, letter D. Sometimes we use terrible language. Okay, you know, one of my favorite things to do is whenever I go out and play golf and they pair me with somebody who doesn't know me, Okay, and another way that you can find out how much control a man has over his tongue is you play golf with him, right? And the better the golfer, uh, the more likely they are to get really upset when they hit bad shots, all right? And so what I love to do is they pair you with somebody that doesn't know you, and about four holes in, they'll say, oh, so what do you do for a living? I'm a preacher, okay? All of a sudden, it's like their mom's standing next to them with a bar of soap, right? Their language changes immediately, okay? All right, now here's the thing. This text is not primarily talking about using dirty words, right? But if you can't control your language, that's a problem. If you are offending people because of your bad language, that's a problem, right? We are supposed to be Jesus to the world, and the language that we use needs to reflect that. So don't let something as silly as bad language hurt the ministry that we're supposed to be doing to the people around us. Fair enough? All right, here's number two, and that is we need to think more about how do we use our words constructively. Okay, James says, with the same mouth, we praise God and we curse our fellow human beings who are made in the image of God, and we're inconsistent. James says, God has created your mouth in order to bring praises to God Almighty. And we need to think, how are we using our words constructively? How are we using our words to encourage people around us? You know, just a few days ago, uh, Luke put on his tennis shoes and he said, Dad, these are my tap shoes. And he starts tap dancing around the living room in his tennis shoe tap shoes. Right now, don't tell him this. He's not a very good dancer. Okay? But what did I do when he started tap dancing in the living room? I told him, I said, Luke, that's great. That is wonderful. I love that. You're a fantastic dancer. Okay, sometimes it's okay to lie to your kids, right? And I said, Luke, that's awesome. That's amazing. I want to see you do more of it. Now go show mom, right? I encourage my kids, okay? No matter what they're doing, I speak words of encouragement to them. I want to build them up. I want to give them some self-confidence. I want them to feel good about who they are. I constantly seek ways that I can encourage my kids. But what's odd is that as easy as it is for me to encourage my kids, it's much harder for me to see how to encourage other people around me. See, part of the thing is we still need encouragement even when we become adults. But when we become adults, we like to act like we don't. But we do. We really do. 
just think in the course of your own life, when has the right word from a teacher impacted you? When have you had a bad day and someone came along and said something to you and it completely turned you around? When in your life has someone said to you, you know what, I really think you can do this. Or I think you would be good at this. And because of it, you kept going. Okay, when is the time in your life that you were in pain and someone came up and spoke to you a word of comfort and it mattered? Right, we need to be a consistent people who bless those around us. How do we use our words constructively? All right, and finally, number three. James says that the words you listen to will determine the course of your life. I promised we'd get back to verse one. Uh, Now we will. Notice again what he says in verse 1. He says, Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. And then you remember right after verse 1, he uses all these illustrations about how one small part determines the entire course for the whole body. I honestly think this is really what this entire passage is about. Normally we preach this text the way I just did, talking about how, yeah, I need to think more about how I use my words. But I think the main idea of this entire passage is James is saying one bad teacher in the body of Christ can take the whole body off course. So the application for you and I is let's make sure that we are following the right teaching. And there's a lot of places in the world today that seek to teach us how we're supposed to live our lives. And it's up to each one of us to decide am I following the right teaching. Is the primary teaching I'm following stuff I listen to on the radio or watch on TV? Is the primary teaching I'm following some influential person over here in my life? Am I following Jesus Christ as my primary teacher? Am I listening to his word? The teaching that you hear will determine the course of your life. You cannot overcome bad teaching. You want to grow closer to Jesus Christ? Find good teaching and follow that. Fair enough? Think about the words that you use. Think about how do we use those words constructively. Think about if I really want to be mature, if I really want to grow closer to Jesus, am I following the teachings of Jesus or am I following something else? All right, at this time in our service, we're going to sing a few verses of an invitation song. During the singing of this song, I will be down front. One of our shepherds will be down front. Uh, This is a time where as the church, we want to be here for you. Um, And so while we're singing this song, if there's a prayer request or special need, we would love for you to come forward so we can pray with you. If it's something you want us to share with the church, we can do that too. If you'd like to know more about how to become a Christian, we'd love to have that conversation with you as well. Uh, Before we sing that song, though, I'd like to close us with a word of blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you and give you peace. Let's stand and sing.